This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Welcome back to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host this week, Carl Ulrich. I'm Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the Wharton School, where I teach entrepreneurship and innovation as well as product design. I'm very happy to welcome to the show my next guest, Ryan Bethencourt, who's the co-founder and CEO at Wild Earth. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for having me. All right. You're one of my few guests who gets the name right. So you guys are just wildearth.com. I love it. No hyphens, no dot nets, no dot co's, none of that stuff. Just wildearth.com. All right. Ryan, give us the elevator pitch for Wild Earth. So the elevator pitch is we are a sustainable pet food company. Um, Our aim is to uh, basically use plant-based products and fungi uh, to provide high-quality, healthy, nutritious food for our pets, but without the Uh, the same environmental uh, impact or footprint. All right. So tell us what the, what's the first product? First product. So our our first, actually three products are treats. So we basically have uh, nutritious uh, treats that while they're treats um, that are our first, uh, first three products, three different uh, flavor skews. Um, And we're actually launching our dog food at the, uh, the end of the summer as well. Okay, so the treats are for those who aren't aren't dog people. A, a treat is typically a little a little bite that, yes. um, and so it gives sense of the size, like a little tootsie roll or yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of it almost looks like a kind of a square cookie, mm-hmm. um, and so it's not a sweet cookie. It's more of like a, almost like a maybe like a biscuit. Yeah, like um, a dog biscuit, right? Yeah, like, like a dog biscuit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and exactly. and the three the three skews are just three flavors of the three flavors. yeah exactly okay exactly. and we actually make it with um, sustainable plant based products as well as fungi. So fungi contain uh, the koji that we actually use. It's called koji. Um, it contains the ten essential amino acids that dogs require. Uh, for those of your listeners that are not familiar with what koji is, it's actually been used in human food for thousands of years. Uh, if you've ever had miso soup or soy sauce, uh, you've had you've had koji. Koji is the fungi that's used to make those products. They're used to uh, ferment uh, those products, and that's what gives it the umami, that savory taste at the end of having a miso soup. Wow. So I wouldn't have thought you were going to use treats and fungi in the same sentence. But um, but now that you tell me, I love miso and 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 I love soy sauce. So I'm I'm convinced. And in a in a strange coincidence, I just had as my guest just before you. I don't know if you heard the the last of that uh, segment, but it's a company called Outstanding Foods. They make a human treat that's made from mushrooms. Uh, it's a chip made from mushrooms. So we're on a theme here today. I, I'm, I'm a fan. I actually oh, have, really? I've had it recently. <laughs> oh, wow. Interesting. So, yes. So so give us the, um, I, I'm pretty sure the dog doesn't much care uh, about the environmental impact. So mm-hmm. so is is environment the the primary hook for, the, for, for Wild Earth? It, it's several hooks. So, so basically, um, we really are focusing on first and foremost, most healthy animals. So, you know, I think everyone cares about um, keeping their animals as healthy as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our missions is to make sure that clean food. We actually bring clean food to our pets. 
there are a bunch of issues with supply chain uh, around uh, some of the meat-based products that have actually been included in our pets' food. So there have been issues of contamination, tainted meat with euthanasia drug, plastic being found by the FDA in their food. And so really our main, our first focus is a clean supply chain. That's why we use plants and fungi. Um, there's often a misconception uh, that dogs are carnivores. They're actually very similar to us. They're omnivores. Um, and so they, they can do just as well with, you know, a plant-based or an animal-based uh, protein diet. The most important thing is they need to have the right types of protein, the right types of amino acid. And that's really what we've designed our products around, making sure that they have a high, clean protein source. And then the two other things we look at are sustainability. We have a huge sustainability um, focus uh, within Wild Earth. And so that's, that's really, you know, the reduction of environmental impact of our products. And then, of course, there's, um, for some people, they're very interested, in, and I am personally, around the ethical aspect of factory farming and various things. Um, we think that we can actually reduce the impact uh, that our pets have um, across the board and so, to make it better products for them. Yeah, so one of, um, uh, well, I, let me just ask about the as-is product. So if I go into a Petco or PetSmart and I buy a bag of, of treats, uh, dog biscuits of some kind, that would be similar are they are they meat based? I would have guessed they'd be they'd be veg uh, plant based uh, as well. Some are, yes, yeah, some yeah. are. And so what we're really trying to do. So the first products that we're launching are uh, some. So what we what's really interesting is that um, we really on in the treat space we really wanted to make a better treat. So there's a real focus with um, the number of calories in our treats so that we can make them healthier. We've added uh, prebiotics. So basically. Uh, the, the fiber that feeds good bacteria in the gut, we've added that into our treats, and we've had it, added omega-3s and 6s for, for skin and, and coat. So we really want to have you know, a highly nutritious treat. So even though it is a treat, um, there's nutritive value, and then there's additional value for the pets themselves. That's really where we differentiate ourselves. We are not just a vegan or vegetarian uh, product. We're a value-added, better product. Um, and we're doing that also with the food. So the food hasn't yet been launched, but when it is launched, there's going to be a whole bunch of uh, health benefits to the product itself. Yeah. All right. And just for completeness on the current products, what what do I pay uh, if I if I want to buy the product? About what do I pay for this so for the right treats? Right now it's nine ninety nine. So we're around the mid premium price point. Mm -hmm. um, we actually uh, we're, we're actually available nationwide. So we're available direct consumer online, and we're available. Uh, we actually have a store locator. We're now available in 74, 74 stores across the U.S. And so we're always, we always welcome any suggestions on new independent pet food stores that are interested in stocking us, um, or if, you know, if customers really want to get it from their pet food store, they don't have it, we love suggestions on that front. Uh, we've actually had a lot of help from Mark Cuban and his team uh, in terms of just rolling out nationwide. And so that's, that, that was from our most recent uh, Shark Tank. Area. Yeah, well, I, I definitely wanted talk about that. Um, before I do, though, let me just ask you to give us the origin story. So uh, let's see if I look at I looked at your LinkedIn and looks like you you started down an academic track uh, studying biology and then and then even starting a, a Ph.D. Um, and then you ended up in the pet food business. So uh, tell us tell us about that journey and how you got interested in this. Yeah, it's kind of a crazy, kind of a crazy path. So, um, so I, I, I started off as a scientist. Um, I, I did my bachelor's degree, my master's, and then I actually dropped out of my PhD. Um, so, so I was actually doing a PhD in regenerative medicine. Um, I wanted to build biotech-based companies. 
Um, and so I, I basically went into the business world afterwards. I was like, okay, I, I want to move a little bit faster. Um, I came up through uh, working in the pharmaceutical industry, so I basically worked in sales. I started uh, as, a, as a sales rep. I kind of worked my way up through sales then moved into business development and clinical drug development. And then finally, um, in 2008, a uh, bunch, uh, bunch of biotech companies started to go bust, and I realized that actually um, they were um, – they, they had a bunch of used lab equipment that they were literally almost giving away. I mean, it was pennies on the dollar. Myself and a couple of friends started to buy up this used lab equipment. We started to build labs um, and we started to do science. And so that was really the beginning, I would say, of, of my journey into actually figuring out we could build companies. And so um, I started a, a biotech incubator with that that equipment that we um, that we had that we bought. It was called Berkeley Biolabs, and then we were able to get some scientists to help them start help them start building companies too. Then um, eventually I pitched a, a venture investor, SOS Ventures, and we kind of joined forces and we started IndieBio, which was a biotech accelerator. And so now we had capital to start helping these companies get off the ground. We funded some really great companies like Memphis Meats, which grows uh, lab-grown meat, um, Finless Foods, which also grows lab-grown fish, alternatives again, with a real focus on you know, how can we use biotechnology to have a positive uh, impact on the environment, uh, on the food side. Um, and health, and then also uh, on the on the kind of human therapeutic side, so regenerative medicine, cancer, gene therapies, that type of thing. Um, I was really drawn to the food side. We've had a lot of success with the food side, and I, um, I I've been a lifelong animal lover my whole life. I grew up with dogs and cats. I currently foster lots of different dogs, and uh, and I just decided I was like feeding you know I was feeding my dogs over the years this this food, and I was like, what's in it? Mm-hmm. And the more I researched it, the more I realized, wow, this is actually a huge health problem, and I'm not seeing an alternative uh, to conventional pet food. I mean, there there was this high-end pet food that was, you know, really great pet food, but it, that was that was not the majority of the market. Most people need to feel, feed their pet, you know, at an affordable price point. And I thought, I think there's a huge opportunity here to make better products, to help animals, um, and to make just you know something that's healthier for them. Yeah. So. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 132. I'm Carl Ulrich, and I'm speaking with Ryan Bethencourt, who's the co-founder and CEO of Wild Earth. Uh, Ryan, how'd you validate the opportunity? So you had this idea, you had the relevant capabilities. What did you do next? Yeah, so great question. So, so this is something I, I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs that are kind of just starting out. Um, and I love kind of sharing the story. Um, I actually, I tried to kill this idea multiple times. Um, I was like, I am not the right guy to launch a pet food company. I'm not the right, I, I don't know anything about pet food. I, you know, this is, this should not be me. Um, I had this idea around, you know, could we make clean fungi-based protein um, with plants and fungi? Um, and so myself and my co-founder, Ron, Ron Chigetta, he's my PhD scientist, um, and my other co-founder, Bro Estrada, we kind of teamed up and we were like, okay, we're not going to start a company. We're just going to try and do this, see if we can actually make a kibble that tastes okay um, and that we can eat. So literally our first uh, voluntary test subjects were ourselves. Yep. Uh, and so in Ron's basement, we basically spent about a year uh, brewing uh, koji and, and having plant-based ingredients and like trying different variants of it to see, you know, see if we ate lots of it, what would happen. Um, and it turned out that it was actually pretty tasty, pretty savory. Um, after we tried it a bit, it was already a food-safe ingredient. Uh, then we just started doing kind of volunteer testing with our friends and our family. Uh, the dogs liked it too. 
But and wait, so, how how high is the bar for a dog to eat a treat? Is it is it a tough problem, or is it harder than humans, or easier than humans? Good question. So if if the if the food is generally recognized as safe, that's a term used by the FDA, then then it's actually it's fairly straightforward. It's very similar. So all the foods that both humans and our pets eat have to be uh, generally recognized as safe or approved by the FDA. Mm-hmm. Then there's an additional level of um, regulatory oversight that's provided by the individual states once you start to retail a product. Um, so it's actually, a lot of people think that it's actually easier to launch a pet product, but human food products actually have one layer of, of, of oversight, whereas pet products actually have two. It's both ah, interesting. federal and state. And what about on the taste side? How hard is it to get a dog to eat something as compared to a human? Well, that's an interesting question. So, so um, we didn't know at first. So we basically said, okay, well, we have to figure out what flavors the dogs really like. Um, and so we had to kind of, kind of start from scratch. We actually asked a few, a few friends that we knew, um, and we came up with our own testing protocol. It was all cruelty-free, humane testing, um, and well, uh, according to you. I mean, according to you, I wonder how the dogs like some of those early treats. Yeah, <laughs> some of those early treats. Well, I think they generally, if they didn't like it, they wouldn't eat it. Yeah. So I think that was, you know, that, that's where we learned. And yeah. we actually, so we tested, we tested a hundred different variants of the of the treats. Wow. So hundred different versions of it, and actually, that was a brill. She basically took the lead on doing all of that, and like she would hand roll all the all the treats, and uh, I mean, it took months and months and months, and. Finally, when we had something that we're like, actually, so we found out that we could actually do this testing and say, does the dog prefer this or that? And uh, and in the end, um, we had about 90%. 90% of the dogs uh, liked and ate the treats. 10% might lick it, walk away, do something else. Um, and so we felt pretty confident with 90% um, like acceptance. And, and that's kind of when we decided, okay, let's, let's see if we can raise money for it. Um, and at first, I really... Um, I actually got a bunch of no's. So, yeah. so I'd, I'd already been um, working actually weirdly in Silicon Valley. I knew a bunch of the uh, venture investors who were around. I pitched a bunch of them. Um, a bunch of them said no. They had actually no interest in the pet food space. Um, and uh, and what was interesting is there were a handful of investors who were like, this is really interesting. Um, why pets? And I kind of framed the problem for them. There was actually a study that was done by um, a professor down at UCLA, Professor Oaken, which which basically uh, showed that um, 30% of the meat we consume in the U.S. actually comes from from pet food. So wow, or ends up in pet food. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge number, right? Yeah. So if you care about the environment, you care about environmental impact. 30% of our impact is actually just our pets. Wow, but why do VCs don't care? No, they don't care. Yeah. They don't care. But, <laughs> <laughs> they really didn't care, but 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 the big thing is like, look, I'm you know I'm impact driven. I really care about all the animals, you know, not just the animals uh, that are being fed. I want to make sure they're healthy, but I also care about obviously the animals that are factory farmed. Right. I want to kind of end that aspect to it. Um, but separately, this is a huge market. Um, there are about 180 million dogs and cats just in the U.S. Um, and and it's a huge market. It's a 30 million dollar market with very little innovation. Yeah. And so so my sales pitch to them was look at Impossible Foods, look at Beyond Meat, look at how transformative those products have been. Imagine if we created that but for the pet space. Yeah. And, and a few VCs uh, became interested. It was interesting enough, um, uh, Veg Invest, which was a very mission-motivated small venture firm, 
uh, took the risk and backed the stray dog again, mission motivated, very interested in, in animal health and, and kind of sustainability. And then also, uh, interesting enough, Felicis Ventures. So, hey, that's our, that's, that's my friend Aiden. Uh, yeah, there you go, yeah. your friend Aiden. So yeah. he, he got the vision. He was yeah, like, he's yeah. that kind of guy. You know, yeah, he, he yeah, yeah. He, he totally gets it. And yeah. so, so that that's how we got our start. Um, and actually, eventually, then uh, Aiden, uh, Aiden and I kind of talked to, to Peter. And uh, thanks to Sonia as well, um, who, who's our one of our, actually our first angel investors, uh, and she she basically introduced, like kind of started the conversation with Peter Thiel, and then um, I, I went to go and see Peter, and I pitched Peter Thiel, um, thinking he was going to say no, um, and I said, look, I think the pet space is a really phenomenal space. This is why we're doing future food for pets. This is why it's so important. Uh, and what ended up happening was Peter got it immediately. Totally surprised me. Uh, most of the other VCs I talked to were like, don't do anything in pets, do something in human food. Yeah. Um, and Peter got it. He was like, I got it next. And I was like, what do you mean you've got it next? He's like, yeah, I think the pet, pet market is a great market, ripe for disruption. Um, and <laughs> that was it. And so he actually became, um, became our, our, our co-investor alongside uh, Felicis Ventures. Wow. Yeah. Now, um, uh, I, so, so that was not a huge amount of money. I was surprised at oh. how far you've gotten on, on modest capital. So it was like six, $650,000 in total, something like that. If I can yeah. believe Crunchbase. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Crunchbase, it's a little, a little off. It's not fully updated, but okay. we've now we've now, so back then it was, um, so it was, it, we raised about 2 million back then. Mm-hmm. You know, we've raised a little over four now. Okay. Um, and we can, should talk a little bit about that too. Yeah. Um, but 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 basically we've we've kind of we, we keep um, kind of setting milestones and each time we hit a milestone then we try and kind of accelerate our mission. So yeah. our first milestone was really to launch a product. And so we've kind of hit that and now we're getting ready for our next milestone, which is to launch the, the food. Yeah. Well I can't resist evoking the analogy that you learned that the dogs would eat the dog food. And yeah. uh, and that, you know, for our listeners who don't get that, that's the standard metaphor we use when you launch your product is will the dogs eat the dog food in this case it was literally will the dogs eat the dog food um so tell us now about the shark tank experience why why did you do it and how was your experience yeah yeah so so that was a that was really interesting so so um i i honestly i i didn't want to go on shark tank (laughs) yeah it just scared me Two of my companies have done it, so I I, I get it. I, I totally yeah. get the issues. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty scary. You yeah. Know? And so, um, so, 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 my chief marketing officer, Florian, like he, uh, a longtime friend of mine, um, kind of helped get the company off the ground with me. Um, he, he, um, he, he basically said, "Look, this is such an impactful thing. This is exactly the type of thing that sharks would be interested in, and I think this is a great story to be able to tell all of America." Um, I think we should go. And I actually told him no three times. I was like, I didn't even want to apply because I was just like, I'm on national television and I totally mess it up, totally blow it up, say silly things. I mean, that's, that's the end of me and the company. But great uh, entertainment for them, right? Yeah, yeah great entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so basically I said no three times. And then finally he was like, look, this is really important. Like this is, like, this is important to get our mission out in front of you know, millions of people have to try and so um he actually i mean he persisted he, he got me to try um and then and then what i was surprised by was i didn't realize how much how much work was involved oh yeah trying to get into shark tank um and so uh, you know i went through the whole like application process and then 
sending in our pitch and then filling out what most people don't tell you is you literally fill out reams of paperwork. Um, it, it feels like raising money. I mean, yeah. it, it, like they upfront with, you know, the due diligence process, they upfront that. So it was just huge amount of work. And then the process begins. So then you start uh, pitching to be on, on the show. They tell you, um, you know, if you're accepted or not. And so there were, I, I think that probably tried out for various different people, like three different times, various different executive directors and, and other, just, just to get the opportunity to, to pitch the sharks. Um, and then, and then, I mean, that took months and months and months. And then finally, um, when, when, uh, I think we got invited, I mean, I was kind of shocked. We got invited to come and pitch. Um, and they said, yeah, come a couple of days early. We're going to do a, 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 a final pitch and then we will decide whether you're allowed to present or not. Yeah on that final pitch and then you will pitch the sharks you'll never have seen the sharks um you you will literally just go in cold and it's and it's no redos no nothing i mean it's it's real and uh and so so i went and pitched the, the executive directors again they said yep that's it you can pitch and then and then i waited in la a couple of days and then and then pitched the sharks and that was um i'm used to pretty high pressure situations having been in sales and i can't kind of came up through sales one thing I realized is I'm not an actor, and so it's just—it was a very different feeling, you know, seeing like w like when I went on the stage, um, you know, that big—you walk down that hallway, yeah. everything there is kind of meant to, um, kind of disorientate you a little bit, yeah. and just, you know, get a reaction out of you because they they won't do redo. If you walk down the hallway and you trip, they'll film you, and if it's funny, that's what goes on TV, in front of millions of people, and so. Um, I went up there. Um, they were all five sharks were there. It's a little, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a strong, like kind of like wow. They're five, you know, people that I'd really grown up watching on TV were right in front of me, and it was just kind of like this awesome moment, uh, but also very disorientating. And so I did my pitch, and then there were what they don't prepare you for is that they're literally you know film crews like running around right. and filming, and it's very bright. And uh, it was super intense. It was very, very intense. I mean, I, and, I was ready for it. Yeah. Um, but it but was it worth was, it? Was it worth it? It was worth it, yeah. So, I mean, I would say, um, you know, the usual rules of thumb, and, and for, you know, for, for those of your listeners that are kind of listening and thinking of taking part in Shark Tank, I highly recommend it. Um, all of the rules that people tend to say, know your numbers, have clarity, don't hesitate, these are all things that I would apply to that. I mean, you literally have um, – typical pitch is somewhere between 30 to 45 minutes. Um, they condense it down for TV to about 10 minutes, but you really, I mean, the sharks are literally talking over each other, yeah. asking questions, watching you, how you react to things. So it's a very, um, it, it kind of feels like a gladiator sport. You go out there and you just go ready to get beaten up and, and, you know, and whatever happens, happens. And, uh, uh, Kevin O'Leary, so Mr. Wonderful, was actually hilarious, but, but you know, really made fun of product, you know, having a plant-based product for pets, for dogs. Um, you know, why would we need that? He made a comment that on, I think on Tuesdays he has to go, he has to go vegan for his son uh, because his son's girlfriend's vegan. It, it was very, ah, very, very funny. funny. Very funny stuff. Um, and I, I basically, uh, I would describe it as getting ground and pound by the sharks. I mean, I think I, I kept my cool. Um, but it was hard, right? We're a science-based company. Um, we're not your typical consumer company. We, at that time, we hadn't launched a product yet, um, but we were going to. And so, so there was an element of like, we've raised money. We haven't launched a product yet. 
we have this promise, but we we're not there yet. And so, yeah. hey, Ryan, we're yeah. we're out of time, so I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. But uh, okay, that's great. a great summary of the Shark Tank experience. Yeah. And Beautiful. thanks thanks so much for making the time. This is super interesting. You're welcome. You're welcome. And just for everyone to know, Mark Cuban did do the deal. So check out the show. All right. So All right. check out the show, and then check out WildEarth.com. I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Wharton. Launchpad is produced by Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. The show airs live on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. You can find more episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.